I'm Paul, pastor of Global Outreach. Let's ask God's blessing on our time learning together about prayer. Jesus, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you invite us to call you Father. We thank you that you desire a relationship with us. We'll never understand all that's wrapped up in prayer, but God, let us understand what you've purposed for us to know today. Let our lives change to be more like you. Let us experience all the power and all the joy and all the peace that you desire to impart to us through this special, special thing. And it's in your name we pray, amen. If you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Luke, which is about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. It was written by a Greek doctor named Luke who carefully investigated and wrote about the life of Jesus. We'll start at chapter 3, verse 21. And if you have a smartphone and you don't have the Bible on it, I highly recommend two choices. One is called either the Bible app or the version. And I wondered for a while why it was called version. I thought, that's kind of a strange name. But then I figured it out. It can, it can translate the Bible into almost any language. So it's like whatever version you need. Get it? version? Pretty smart. Um, BibleGateway.com is another one. You can download them. You can use them offline. You can, you can access a function on them that you can just press a button and it'll actually just read to you. Some people learn better when they're just listening to the scriptures. Um, many different English translations. Yeah, I highly recommend that if you haven't done that and have that option of a smartphone. Let's dig into the question of why pray. I have a friend from college who told me once, I like some things about Christianity. I just don't like all the bowing down. November 27th, USA Today reported on a study out of Virginia Commonwealth about life expectancy for ages 25 through 64, spanning the years 1959 to 2017. Across race and ethnicity, the U.S. is the only high-income country out of 17 with a falling life expectancy, despite spending the most on health care. Deaths from drug overdose are up 387%. Death from hypertension-related disease, up 78%. Obesity-related death, up 114%. Suicides have risen 38%. What my friend did not realize was that as human beings, we are all bowing to something. The only question that needs to be answered is, am I bowing to something that brings death or life? How am I spending my daily time? This can sometimes reveal what we're bowing to. Do I have peace, joy, and strength? Or am I lacking power, constantly worrying, consuming, but never satisfied? We have an obvious need to humbly bow before our Creator God in prayer. Let's look at prayer from the life of Jesus widely considered the most pivotal, loving, powerful person ever to walk on our planet. Starting in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, we find Jesus starting out in his public ministry as he's baptized by John the Baptist. You can follow along as I read. 
When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened up and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Three years to change the trajectory of the world and Jesus started it with prayer. We'll continue on through Luke. Chapter 4, verse 42, we find that Jesus went out to a solitary place at dawn, but it doesn't tell us what he was doing. If we skip to chapter 5, verse 16, we read, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And take note of what happens one verse later. We find, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal the sick. Chapter 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. What do you think he was talking to God about all night? Well, in the verses right before, we can see that Jesus had a hostile work environment. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, were furious that he healed a man on the Sabbath. I bet he was talking to God about that. Right after, in verse 13, we find Jesus is choosing his 12 disciples. I bet he was asking for wisdom. In verse 19, he's healing. In verse 20, he's sharing with others about the kingdom of God. In chapter 9, verse 16, we find Jesus giving thanks to God in a ridiculous situation. They have 5,000 men and probably some women and children all hungry and only five loaves and two fish. What's to be thankful for? They simply don't have enough food to feed everyone. And yet Jesus gives thanks to God. Everyone gets fed. And there were 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Still in chapter 9, verse 28, Jesus takes Peter, John, and James with him up to a mountain to pray. And he's just finished telling them that he would have to suffer many things, be killed, and rise again. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changes. His clothes become as bright as a flash of lightning. And here, in the midst of praying, we glimpse the supernatural reality behind our earthly existence as Jesus talks with Moses and Elijah about his impending departure. In chapter 10, verse 21, we find Jesus praying, praising God, full of joy, at the fruitful testimony given by 72 followers he'd sent out to teach about the kingdom of God. We're going to come back to chapter 11. In chapter 22, verse 39, Jesus has just finished eating the last supper with his disciples. It reads, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew a stone's throw from them and got down on his knees and prayed, Father, if you are willing, yet not my will, but your will be done. 
An angel from heaven appeared to him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. In chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus has been nailed to the cross unjustly, accused and convicted, bearing the punishment for the world's sin, and he prays, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And with his dying breath, he prays, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. After Jesus has endured death, he rises from the dead, and still in chapter 24, verse 30, isn't it fitting that two of Jesus' disciples didn't realize that they were with Jesus, unable to fathom anybody rising from the dead, until he gives thanks to God for the bread that they were about to eat. You may have already figured out the bottom line to our question of why pray. It is quite simply, prayer precedes the power of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, prayer precedes the power of God. Turn to your other neighbor and say, Neighbor, no prayer, no power. No prayer, no power. No prayer, no peace. No prayer, no wisdom, no prayer, no provision, no filling of the Holy Spirit. Does our modern church sometimes seem weak and broken? Prayer precedes the power of God. How should we pray? First, we should take note that prayer is not passive. Prayer is not light-duty work for people who aren't strong enough there are two times in his earthly ministry where Jesus went into incredible Hulk mode. He didn't turn green like the Marvel comic, but two times, the first and last Passover festivals of his public ministry, we read that Jesus entered the temple where people were selling animals for sacrifice at high prices and charging fees to change money into special money to even buy the sacrificial animals. He turns over their tables and he drives them out with a whip. And he states the reason for this clearly in Luke 19, verse 46. My house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of robbers. There are to distract the people from their primary calling to enjoy God's presence through prayer. As we consider prayer, we'll do well to remember that it may be a fight to clear away all the things that seek to distract us from accessing the power of God. We may have to take drastic action. What are some things that are distracting you from prayer? TV was a big one for me, so I don't have a TV. The cell phone tried to take over where the TV left off. So God finally gave me the wisdom to find out that there's this thing called parental controls on the cell phone. So I got a friend. I set some limits. I had the friend put the password in. I don't know the password. I can't undo it. It helps. Even the disciples battled with distraction from prayer. It was well into their third year with Jesus 
before they even asked him to teach them how to pray. This is what we commonly know as the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them to pray, he gave them the words of a prayer. We can learn a lot from this prayer. It's important to remember, though, that this prayer is a pattern versus a prescription. A pattern is a general form that can be altered to fit the situation. For example, my mother made all her own clothes. She bought dress patterns, but then altered the designs to fit her needs. She noted that women's dresses often lack pockets, so she always added pockets to her dresses. A prescription, on the other hand, is something that needs to be followed exactly every time. For example, if a doctor gives you a prescription for antibiotics, you'd better follow it exactly or you won't benefit from what he's given you and might end up sicker than before. The Lord's Prayer is a pattern. I didn't make up the acrostic of the letters P-R-A-Y on your outline, which describes the pattern, but it sure has been helpful to me to make my prayer life more like Jesus. I'm an expert in desperation asking, but Jesus wanted us to know that there's so much more as we've seen by looking at his prayer life in the book of Luke. The P stands for praise. Jesus' teaching on prayer can be found in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, and also Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. You can turn there to follow along. Or Jesus takes the formality out of talking to God by calling him Father. And then many of our translations say, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is another way of saying holy or perfect or awesome. One of my favorite prayers in the Old Testament is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The tribe of Judah is about to get wiped out by a vast army. Yet instead of making swords or getting sick with worry, they immediately go to prayer. When they gather together, the first thing they start to do is praise God. I learned a practical application of this from a 24-7 student a few years ago. I do this especially when I'm facing a big difficulty. Before I start talking to God about the problem, I make a list of 10 things that I'm thankful to God for. It could be something like the forgiveness that he's given me, or my most recent meal, or my health, or even reflecting on something from the past year, anything. We're going to take some time right now to make a thankful list. If you need something to write with, there might be a pencil in the pocket and the chair in front of you. If you dig deep, there's a little golf pencils. Be careful, the tips are sharp. It might be there, it might not. But if you're really desperate, you might find it there. We're going to write a list of 10 things next to the P on your bulletin. Ready? Set? Go. Thank you. 
Sometimes it's hard for me to get started on thinking of things that I'm thankful for, but usually once I get the ball rolling, I can do more than 10. What things did I write down? I wrote down 10 different things in the first service. I'm thankful for the warmth of this Parkview family. I'm thankful for the clearing of the rain today. I'm thankful for the beauty of creation. I'm thankful for the support crew that helps all of this to happen, like Phil doing the sound, making sure that this mic doesn't get turned on when I'm singing. <laughs> or Don running the booth. He's following along in the message so he knows when to switch the slides. The people running the cameras. The voices of children in this service. The parents who brought those children. Those who came alone today. The ushers that greet us. There's so many things we have to be thankful for. The R stands for repentance. We all fall short of God's perfect standard, and Jesus knows this. So we find a place for asking for God's forgiveness in this prayer. In the book of 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The topic of forgiveness also extends to the other people in our lives. Forgiving those who've wronged us is much easier in light of how God's forgiven us. And it's a non-negotiable part of finding true freedom and peace for our hearts and minds in Jesus Psalm 66, verse 18, and many other places in the scripture states, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I want to add that one time I had a person tell me that they did not sin or need forgiveness. And years later, I realized this person only knew the bottom floor of the law, for example, which is do not kill. They didn't know that there's a ceiling to the law that Jesus taught we should not become angry with anyone. The floor says do not steal. The ceiling says don't desire anything else beyond what you have. We have a deep and continuing need for God's forgiveness. We can even find Daniel, one of the most godly men in the Bible, in chapter 9, verse 20 of the book bearing, bearing his name, confessing his sin and the sins of the nation of Israel. I love this about the Bible. It's about real people. It would have been so easy just to say, no, Daniel, Daniel was the perfect standard. Let's just, let's just leave that part out about confessing his sin. But boy, what an encouragement to me as I'm reading through and I see all the things that Daniel did. And if you want to be encouraged, read the book of Daniel this week. Oh my goodness, what a faithful servant of God. Even after he was ripped away from his homeland and made to serve the foreign government that, that completely um, obliterated Jerusalem. We're going to take a couple of minutes in silent repentance. If nothing comes to mind, we can ask God to show us where we may be falling short of his standard or might need to forgive someone else or ask their forgiveness. If God gives you something to do, write a note 
so you don't forget it and you can act on it. Let's take some time for repentance. Lord, let Parkview be a place where we regularly ask your forgiveness and quickly forgive others. The A stands for ask. I thought I was an expert on asking until I studied this prayer. What's the first thing that Jesus asks for in this prayer? He asks for God's kingdom to come. This means God's loving, life-giving rule in every heart of mankind. Wouldn't this world be a different place if God's kingdom came and God's will was done on earth as it is in heaven? I broke the tip off of my fishing rod by closing the window on it. I was feeling pretty stupid as I walked into Fin and Feather to see what it might take to get it fixed. The guy behind the counter was reassuring. He took out a replacement tip, melted some glue, and repaired my rod. I was pretty happy. I said, how much do I owe you? He said, no charge. And then I was amazed. I went from feeling stupid to walking on a cloud. I found out two years later that that man is Lloyd Bender, a dearly devoted follower of Jesus. I experienced the blessing on earth as it is in heaven through his simple act of kindness. Let's ask for God's kingdom to come and be the answer to that prayer as he leads. What about nations where nobody knows about Jesus and there are no Bibles? How will a son learn how to forgive a father or a father seek forgiveness from a son? Or a husband learned what it means to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life up for her. 
We can ask God to strengthen our global workers who are sharing this message. There are free booklets available in the resource center that you can use to pray for them and those countries. The prayer continues, give us this day our daily bread. And of course we can bring the needs of our lives to God, the very real need for daily provision, money to pay the bills, a job, healing from sickness, or the burden of grief, wisdom to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The first chapter in the book of James assures us that God does not tempt anyone to sin. We choose, but it's 100% our sinful hearts that try, to adjust, that try to address our needs in ways that follow outside, that fall outside God's best and ultimately work to destroy us. Possibly a better translation might be, help me to choose your best when I'm considering a path away from you. You may have noticed that the pattern prayer Jesus is giving us follows a plural narrative. Our Father, give us, deliver us. The church is meant to be a family, and we are missing out if we never pray with others. Sometimes prayer is a solitary thing, just between you and God, but sometimes it's just a blessing to pray with others. I have some very brief instructions that we'll follow to pray together today. As it's possible with someone around you or whoever you're sitting by, introduce yourself if needed, share maybe what you do, and share one thing the other person can ask on your behalf. It doesn't have to be deeply personal. It could be as simple as ask God to help me be a wise parent. Whatever's on your heart or comes to mind. Having others pray for you is powerful. Praying for others is powerful. It doesn't matter if you're not a follower of Jesus. You can still ask God to work on behalf of someone else as well as addressing a need in your life. The prayer can be simple, even if it's just saying, God, please bring health to Donna's son. That's totally fine. This will not be neat and tidy. Try to make sure nobody's left out. The church is a family, and families are seldom neat and tidy. We'll take about five minutes to introduce ourselves and speak the prayer for each other. Ready, set, go.
Thank you for trying something outside the ordinary. I can't tell you how beautiful it is to hear the voices of people praying in Parkview Church. I pray it's a blessing, and I pray that we start to see the power of God unleashed as we continue to ask others to pray for us and how we can pray for others God puts in our lives. The Y stands for yield. When we have come to God in praise, repentance, and asking, we do well to remember that we're only asking from our limited human perspective and that God is trustworthy even when he doesn't heal or avert the great army or give the provision that we're asking for. Jesus gives us the ultimate example of this as he's going to the cross for the sins of the world and he prays, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me Yet not my will, but yours be done. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says it another way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your paths straight. Allow me to lead us all in a prayer of yielding. Father God, as we've brought praise and repentance and many needs before you today. We trust your love, your goodness, and your wisdom. Amen. Remember, the Lord's Prayer is just a pattern. We don't find Jesus or any of his disciples ever praying these exact words again anywhere in the Bible. You might not have all the elements every time you pray. Maybe one day has more asking or another praise. It's meant to bring greater friendship with God, like the relationship between a parent and a child, not meant to be a burden of trying to do something perfectly. 
If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to highlight a precious prayer, especially for you, which is found in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. You can follow along on the screen as I read it. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justly forgiven, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. For there is no difference between the Jew and the non-Jew. The all who call upon him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The last point on your outline looks at a prayer plan. Part of avoiding distractions is being intentional with what's important. Take some time to ask God what prayer might look like in your life in this coming year. Would you like to set aside 10 minutes on a particular day of the week at a place and time where you're not likely to be disturbed? Or maybe you'd like to gather with a group of others. There's a group that meets here at Parkview at 11 a.m. on Thursdays, and I am thoroughly convinced that much of the great things that God has done in this church comes out of the time that small group has spent in prayer. Maybe you'd add a component of prayer to your community group if it's not there. Or maybe try keeping a prayer journal where you record what you're praying and you can look back and see how God worked throughout the year. Or study some of the prayers in the Bible. The book of Psalms is 150 written as poems or songs or outright talking to God. And week after next, as John said, on Wednesday, January 8th, 6 to 8 p.m. here at Central Campus, we'll have an evening dedicated to prayer where we seek God's leading for Parkview and ask him to do great and marvelous things this year. We have such a great and obvious need for prayer. Jesus has given us a simple pattern to follow. I'll close with the encouragement found in the book written to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. The most searched passage on the YouVersion app. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you want to put your trust in Jesus today, pray these words silently with me now. Father, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for taking the punishment that I deserved when you died on the cross. Forgive me for living apart from you. Today, I call on you to save me. By faith, I receive your gift of life and become your child. Amen. If you prayed this prayer with me today, please tell me or someone else so we can celebrate and help you with how you can continue growing in your faith. If you didn't pray this prayer, know that you can do it at any time. Simply say, Lord, save me, and it will be done. Lord, 
Grant that humble prayer and your power at work would be the outstanding character of 2020 at Parkview Church. Amen.